Well, hey, good morning. My name is Neil. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you came to join us today. And as we go into God's word, I'm really excited for what the Lord has revealed to me as I've been studying this week. And just really glad that you're here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to speak to our hearts today. Father, thanks for this day. Thanks for the chance to gather and worship together freely. We know that you're with us. You said that you would be with us. You promised that to us. And God, as we look ahead into the rest of the fall and going into this Illuminate series and this new chapter in the season of Ridgewood Church, we just want to go where you're leading us. So please give us the confidence to lean into you and receive from you all the places that you're taking us. And Lord, help us to live out the good works that Ephesians 2 said you prepared in advance for us to walk in and do. I pray that you would allow us to do that. And God, would you be really specific and personal with each person here today as well? That it wouldn't be about anything that I say, that it would just simply be the words of Jesus that challenge us, that give us comfort, that lead us on and take us to the places that you desire us to go. And we ask all these things in Jesus' great name. Amen. Well, we've been in a series over the last handful of weeks called The Habits of Making Jesus Known, and we're wrapping that up today. And um, just by way of review, for those of you that have been walking alongside us, and if you just joined us as well, we've been tracking with this acronym called BELLS, and it's from a book by a pastor in Australia, a guy named Michael Frost. That book is called Surprise the World, and we have explored each of these habits, the habits of making Jesus known and trying to live these things out, not just ideas that we say, hooray, that's a great idea, but actually things that we ask the Lord to bring into the fabric of our life, things that we do on a continual basis. So we saw that the Lord's called us to bless people, and very practically, how do we bless people? Three people a week is what we've been talking about along those lines. And then same way with eat. And we saw that Jesus' mode of ministry was over food and drink. The, it says the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And so that's a pathway for us to get to know people. It breaks down barriers when we simply enter in over food or drink with people. And then what does it look like for us to listen to the Holy Spirit? Are we carving out time, moments in the car, wherever it is throughout our day? Are we seeking to listen to the Holy Spirit? And then last week, Pastor Paul showed us that learning Christ isn't just learning facts about the person who is Jesus, but actually seeking to emulate the pattern that he gave us, the way that he lives his life, to take on the nature that Christ set before us. And today we're wrapping up with being sent. What does it look like to be sent by God? And we'll go into the scriptures and explore that together today. I don't know about you, I grew up in the church and I'm really grateful for my heritage. Some of you, that's not your experience um, and the Lord has drawn you to himself or he's in process on that. Perhaps you're just exploring today and we're so glad that you're here. I'm really thankful for the heritage that I had. When I was eight years old, my grandmother was the one that led me to Christ and I'm thankful that there's generations of people that are following Jesus in my family. I see that as a gift. I know that not everybody has that. And in growing up in the church, I took on myself this idea that the greatest way that I can grow is by just pouring more and more knowledge in. As much Christian knowledge as I can get into my head was my goal and thought that that was the path that I needed to go on. And it's an incredibly critical piece for us following Jesus. We know that the word disciple means disciplined learner. So we are called to grow in our understanding of what the scriptures say, that God is revealing himself to us in his word. So we want to grow in our understanding of the word continually. 
But we aren't just meant to pour more and more knowledge in so that our theological brain gets bigger and bigger, but God actually means for that to make its way out into our life. And so one thing that you can think is, how much do I know about the scriptures? How much do I know about God? But going even deeper and what I've been challenged more recently to consider is how much am I actually obeying out of what's here? And there's a difference. For this to be driven into our life, it's really important that we actually get to the place where we're obeying God's word. And maybe you've heard the triad of head, heart, and hands that Romans 12 says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then God has come and Ezekiel 36 said he's going to replace our heart of stone with a heart of flesh, that he's doing something, he's transforming us. And so it's head to heart, but then does it make it to our hands in the ways that we serve other people? There's a missiologist and a pastor church planter in the United Kingdom named Mike Breen. And he says it this way, really simply, that there's up, in, and out. So you could think a little bit like head, heart, and hands in terms of how we follow Jesus. And so the up piece is us worshiping the Lord, that we come together, we gather um, every day or often over the scriptures, we pray to God, we worship him personally, but then we come together in this large gathering to worship him there. So there's the up piece, and then in is us loving one another. We come together to invest in each other, we pray for one another, we walk alongside each other when we have challenges in our life. And then there's the out that's loving our community. And as a church, that's our desire. We want to move out into the community and love more and more people, believing that God has called us to that, making Jesus known in the community. And one thing that strikes me is that if we're in the flow of the Christian life and we're participating regularly in church, the up piece and the in piece are things that we've been pretty good at. Certainly, we always have room to grow in there. The value of that is not diminished. But one thing that I noticed in my own life is that the out was missing. And we, we don't want to leave the out out, so to speak. And a handful of years ago, just in a time with the Lord, I really sensed that God was showing me, Neil, are you just going to be a philosopher of all of these things? Like, are you going to say we should do this and we should do that? Are you going to be a practitioner of these things and actually in the rhythm of your life, live out what I've given you? And it's a question that I believe the Lord would ask each one of us is, are we going to go beyond just knowing and really get it into our life? And so my prayer for you all week has been that God would just give you simple clarity in knowing personally how you're sent and that you're sent. And we all just need to start with where we are, right? We don't have to Consider the past that today's a new day. God's mercies are new every morning. And I believe there's an opportunity for each one of us to take the next step that God has for us in this. And some of us need to just walk in affirmation that as I describe this rhythm of life up in and out, that, that you'd say, yeah, that's me. And, and I, by God's grace, I'm living that out. And some of you just need to walk in the affirmation of that today. Wherever we are, let's just encounter the words of Jesus in this passage today. And the big idea is that Jesus has said we're sent to the world. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We'll be in John chapter 17 in verses 15 through 19. And if you don't have a copy of the scriptures yourself, there's one in the seat back in front of you there. Feel free to grab that on page 903 is where we'll be. And if you don't know, we have a Ridgewood Church app. We invite you to download that and you can track along. We put some effort every week into putting an outline there for you that has questions and it's a guide for you to utilize throughout the week as well. So you can just go to the app, hit media, sermon notes, and then today's date and you can track with us there. 
Before we jump in and read these verses, I just kind of want to give you a little context for John 17. It's a beautiful passage, an amazing passage for us to experience. And we know that this is called the high priestly prayer. So Jesus went before us. He is our representative to the Father, and it's him praying very intimately to the Father. The Son is praying with the Father, and it's him talking about what he's come to do on earth, that he knows that the Father's called him to specific things, and he's recapping or giving an account to the Father as we go through John 17. So in the preceding verses, Jesus begins by praying for himself, that he would continue, that he would endure in the mission that God still had for him to do because he had yet gone to the cross. And so there's a lot that he is asking the Father to help him continue to do, to submit himself to that. And then we see, as we jump into the flow of where we are today, that he's praying for his disciples, those that were there with him. And then here's the powerful thing beyond that even, is that he prays for every one of us, all those that would be his followers that Jesus prays for us in this passage. And it's an incredible prayer of submission as he's saying to the Lord, I want to honor you, I want to glorify you with the things that you've given me to do, and I'm also praying for the disciples that you'll be with them in where you've placed them. So it's a prayer of submission And it serves as a wonderful example for each one of us that would be followers of Jesus of how we're to submit our lives to God. Not in a cowering way, as though he's Lord ruling over us with a heavy hand, but in a way that is just honest and wholehearted and beautiful because God's intentions towards us are good. For those that are in Christ, that we need to walk in that today. So with that backdrop in mind, let's just jump in and read these verses. Um, Chapter 17, starting in verse 15. Jesus said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may that they also may be sanctified in truth. So this is God's word to us today. And with that in mind, the first thing that we see as we go into these verses is that we're not taken out. That Jesus said, leave them there. That we're not to be taken out. He desires for the disciples to remain where they are. And so in verses 15 and 18, that's what we're seeing. And sometimes when we're confronted by evil, which was their situation that was coming at them, Oftentimes, our first inclination is just to get out of dodge. We want to avoid or move out or get away from the challenge. And Jesus is asking the Father, Lord, would you help them remain where they are? He desires that they, even in the face of challenge and evil, remain where they are. And in the evil that they're experiencing, it goes beyond just a physical or a um, close danger to them in a physical sense, but it goes way into the spiritual as well, and that's much of what he's referring to here. In Ephesians six twelve, we understand something really important for the Christian life, that there is a spiritual realm and that we are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so our battle isn't just against those that they were battling against in their day, but it's in a spiritual sense, that's what Jesus is praying protection over. So their day was challenging, and I would submit to you that in our day, we're in really challenging circumstances And God means for us to be protected by the evil one. What a great prayer for Christ to pray that for us, that we would be protected. 
And he is evidencing here that we've been equipped and called to stand in and continue the mission, even in challenging times. For us to receive that today, that God has put us where he wants us for a reason and that we can stand in regardless of how challenging the circumstances. Maybe your life feels like it's unraveling today. I just would encourage you with what Jesus is praying for us, praying for you, that he means for you to stand in and continue in the mission and to not give up. So the disciples are left there to continue the mission. That's Jesus' prayer. And I get concerned many times, and our tendency is when someone comes to faith in Jesus, we want to pluck them out of their context and carry them over and put them in the Christian bubble and do the Christian stuff over here. And Jesus is saying, no, I I mean for them to remain where they are. And we do that oftentimes. And certainly we need to help undergird people as they come into faith with other believers around them that can support them. But God means for us to remain in our context. And some friends of ours came to faith about seven years ago, and they both just within a couple of days of each other put their faith in Christ. And their past was very challenged, and they had a subset of friends they were really embedded with. And their heart towards their friends was, we want to stay where we are, and so pray for us. And keep checking in on us that we remain where we are. And I don't know if you know the story of Cornelius in the the book of Acts where it says that he came to faith in his entire household. And that's what took place with this couple is that over the period of several years, God just was using them powerfully over and over. Their parents came to faith. Their siblings came to faith. And this subset of friends all started coming to our church, and, and one by one they started putting their faith in Jesus. Just an amazing picture of when we stay where we are, when we ask God to protect us from the evil one and to remain and abide in what he's called us to do, what can happen. It's a beautiful picture of what's taken place. We also see in verse 18, drawing your attention there, that Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So he's saying that to the Father. And as I was studying this, I wasn't expecting to see that this really is, he's confirming how much he wants them to be in the mission. As he prays for his disciples then, he prays for us now. He's been preparing them for that, and he desires that they stay in and continue in that, that it really is a passage deeply rooted in us, carrying on what God had given us, what Christ had laid before us. So we're not taken out. And it's God's desire that you remain where you are, that you stay. And that in staying and remaining where you are, you're not doing it in your own strength, but you're doing that with the identity of one who has been sent. Jesus said, I've sent you. And that you're doing it in that strength, the strength that the Spirit of God provides each one of us. And growing up in the church, one thing I've noticed is that sometimes when we see promises in the Scriptures, I know it's been true for me and I've seen that in the lives of people that I've walked alongside is that they think that what's in here is actually for someone else. And so as I as a little kid was watching missionaries from our church get sent out, I began to think that being sent is for somebody else. Like they go and do the missionary thing and I remain here and do the church attendance thing. And what we see in this passage is that Jesus is saying that it's for all of us. He desires for all of us to walk that out. And could it be that as we hear those words that he's sending his disciples, that we actually think he's talking about someone else? Is that where you are today? You think that God's love is for somebody else, that his provision for you in challenging times is for somebody else, that his call on your life, that his call is not for you. And I just would encourage you to say Jesus is talking to you in this passage. He's talking to me. 
And he's saying that just as I've been sent, I'm sending you. The critical thing for us to walk out the habits that we've been talking about is to be really clear on our identity that God has made us in this way. And he means for us to be sent. And we have to clarify that issue if we're going to go forward from here knowing what God has made us to do. That we're not separate from but sent into the world. So let me ask you a couple questions. How do you currently see yourself when it comes to living like you're sent? Is that even, is it a new thing for you? Perhaps you're hearing that and going, I've never heard that before. Do you see yourself as someone that's been sent to your neighborhood, to your workplace, to your weird family members, and to your quirky friends? Do you see yourself as sent in those places, to those people? So Jesus says, don't take them out, and that we're not taken out. The next thing that we see is that we're not of this world. And that can feel a little bit like, is Jesus talking out of both sides of his mouth? He said, like, stay, but then, hey, we're not of this world. But he says it here, that we're not of this world. And what we know in John 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he says, hey, you got to be born again, which was confounding to him. He's like, I don't know if I can even get there mentally. Maybe we shouldn't try, but I can't be born again. And he said, no, it's not a physical birth, but it's a spiritual one. And that the Spirit of God would come and live inside of you, and he would make you a part of his kingdom, and then that you could play a part as being an agent of kingdom change in the lives of other people, that he's been transformed and changed from the inside out, that we've been given a new nature with different priorities, new priorities, and even our desires begin to change as we walk with the Lord, and that he's called us to a different agenda. And so we aren't out of this world in the sense that this, is our fi- this isn't our final place, that God has preparing a place for us to be for those of us that are in Christ. But the Lord is not trying to get them off the island in this. He's saying that you've been given a new spiritual nature. And in that same book that we referenced by Michael Frost, Surprise the World, he uses the phrase that we're to live questionable lives. And not questionable in the sense that people think we're super weird and we churn our own butter or something like that. But questionable in the sense that we're so seasoned with God's grace that people want to draw close to us. That was Jesus. People wanted to be near him continually. And that people experience the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit transforming us. People want to draw close to us within that. That we live questionable lives. Lives that smell and have the flavor of God's grace to them. So as we go through this series together on the habits of making Jesus known, a questionable life is an important piece for us. And that's why we want to do these things on a regular basis so they become a part of not just a questionable deed, but a questionable life as we stack multiple things on top of one another, seeking to follow the Lord and walking in his grace. There's a glorious motivation and an eternal perspective in this too, in him saying, hey, we're not of this world. And that we've been transformed for a heavenly kingdom. And that that's something that we look forward to. And it draws us and ought to draw us close to the mission even more. That in light of eternity, I want to live my life in such a way that just like Jesus said, I want to honor you with my life, Lord. I want to glorify you. That that would be true for us. That in light of eternity, we want to be different and live questionable lives. You've been given a new nature and a different agenda. Something for you to consider. And as you think about your calling and identity as a sent person, another question I'd ask you is, what emotions are you feeling in that? Perhaps this is new and you're kind of getting adjusted to the idea of that and that's okay. But what rises up in you when you think about being a sent person? What's there for you? 
The third thing we see as we journey into uh, verse 17 and 19 is that we're changed by the truth. Jesus has given us a new nature and that there's truth for us to gain as we spend time close to Christ and we're walking in his word. And in verse 17, it uses the word sanctify. That isn't a word that maybe you necessarily used a whole lot this last week. And so for some of us that haven't heard that word before, it just means to make something holy or in an active sense to be making something holy. And we know in verse 19 as well that it's describing being being holy and being changed by the truth. And also in 19, we see what Jesus came to do that it says that he consecrated himself or set himself apart for the mission. And so he measured up and lived a spotless life in all the ways that we couldn't so that he qualified to be the spotless lamb that would pay for the sins of the world on the cross. And so in consecrating himself, he did that for you and for me, that there'd be a way made that our sins could be forgiven. What incredible redemptive news that is for us today. And that we're changed by the truth. And he's praying in that final prayer of sorts for his disciples. And he's, he's desirous that they remain in what they've been given. And, and he says to the Father, would you keep them where they are? And would you change them in the truth? So he's invested in them. And he's walked alongside them. His desire is that they would walk in integrity and in unity together. And they would just continue forward all the things that he had taught them. That they would walk in that. And he's pleading with the Father for them to do that. And he says that your word is truth. And tying into John 1, when it talks about Jesus being the word, and that he, in the beginning, was the word, it's talking about Jesus, and the word was with God. One commentator says, tying John 1 to John 17, where we are today, he says, truth is here related to the word logos, or Christ, uh, the, the word of God. But truth and the word in John are not merely ideas. They are to be embodied in people in the same way that the word became flesh in John 1.14. Since God is holy, God's people are to be holy. But holiness is not merely a human achievement. We can't do it in our own strength. It is to be understood as an act of God in setting apart a people to be like God. Therefore, Jesus' petition is for the Father to sanctify the disciples just as he earlier sanctified and sent Jesus. That's his desire for us. For the disciples to be holy necessitated the work of God. We need that work of God in our life. And as believers, we should be encouraged today that God isn't done with us and that he's making us more like Jesus. And for those of us that are followers, that God isn't looking for a better version of you, that he loves you right where you are. And he's in the business of transforming you as you continually submit yourself, just as Christ did, that he's submitting his will to the Father As you submit yourself to God, that that work is taking place. And then he's going to finish that work and carry it through in our lives. So be encouraged today that God isn't done with your life. Jesus modeled submission to the will of God and the pathway to holiness. He lays that out for us. So for us to be able to be sent and to live questionable lives and changed by the truth, Christ went before us and lived that out. To be in the world and not of it is a good recap of what Christ did. And he made a way for us to experience that as well. He came on mission with the people and he brought love that people had never experienced before. And I don't know if you've ever thought that maybe the best gift you could give to people around you is your holiness. 
And not because you're squeaky clean and perfect and look at all the good stuff that I can do, but because in seeking to be holy, you're laying down your will before the Father, just as Christ did. And he's laying down his will and saying, I want to be more like you, not what I want, but what you want. And that that could be a gift that we give to people around us, that they would experience how questionable our life is because we're surrendering ourselves to God on a continual basis. We're submitting ourselves to him. There's a friend of mine that uh, I pray with pretty regularly here at the church, and we pray for you. We pray for um, our community, and we we pray for about 30 minutes or so each time we come together. And he prays more than anybody else I've ever been around for holiness. He's weird. No, he's great. But it's just striking, because, and it's powerful to be around him, because his desire is that his will be so changed by God's word and by the Spirit of God in his life, that he would submit himself in that way. And it's always challenging to me when we pray together to hear that. And that's God's desire for us, that we would submit ourselves and that we would take on what he's given us. Lastly, the thing that I would want us to see out of the passage in verse 18 as we go back there one more time is that we're sent every day and that this is something that ought to be a continual flow out of our life and that in wearing that identity that is one that's sent, just as I have been sent by the Father, so I send you, that this would be something that we're open to letting the Lord use us in on a daily basis. And that verse flows or mirrors John twenty twenty one when Jesus would say that to them again. So he said it to the Father in this, but then he commissioned his disciples with this verse here. And he said to them, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And for me, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm thinking about engaging with people that are far from God, I get a little bit nervous. I get concerned. How would I do that? What would that look like? And I think that can be a tendency for us. And how kind of the Lord to bless us and give us this initial phrase of peace be with you, that he means for us to rest in peace in this journey. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. That we don't go all clenched up and nervous, but we go knowing that the Lord has sent us and that he's equipped us and called us for that. That we're sent every day and just as Jesus said, I'm sending you. The word sent in the Greek, as we wrap up, is where we get our English word apostle. And it just means to be sent on a mission or with a purpose. So if you're in the military um, or if you have an intense boss, you know exactly what being sent for a purpose is. Or as a friend of mine said, he gets from his wife, uh, voluntold instead of volunteered. Perhaps you understand that too in being sent. But the mindset of us being sent with a purpose and that we're sent by God is really important for us. And so practically, I just would love to walk through four barriers And we could sit here and make a list uh, that would be different and probably a lot longer. But just consider these four barriers to walking in the identity of being somebody sent. Barriers to living on mission. And so just formed in questions. The first one would be, do you have a plan? And one of the biggest desires we had in going through this series of habits is we just wanted to say, this could be a plan. And we as a ministry staff and as the leadership of the church want to walk in this and we want our whole community of faith to have a plan. And just really simply, this bell's rhythm is something that we desire to walk out. So do you have a plan? It doesn't have to be elaborate, but it begins with that. The next thing is, do you have margin? Do you have margin in your schedule? 
And I said in first service, uh, if people had something to throw at me, they probably would because they're like, Neil, seriously, I can't shoehorn anything else into my schedule. And if you start talking to me about margin, I'm going to get really frustrated. And so I, I would understand where you're coming from in that and would just submit to you that I'm not advocating that you block at 10 hours of disciple making in your calendar this next week. But what if the margin that God means for you to have is to take one extra minute with the person in the hallway at work or with your neighbor at the mailbox and look them in the eye and connect with them? And that we'd see people not as impediments to what we have to get done, but as made in the image of God. Could that be the margin? Maybe it's more. But do you have margin? The next thing would be, do you have teammates? Do you have people that are walking alongside you that are regularly encouraging you to walk this out? Because to live a sent life, Jesus didn't even go by himself. The Son of God came and modeled for us that we got to have community. We have to have teammates in that. And I would encourage you, do you have that? With community groups, we want to offer that. And so we're seeking to start more and more groups, and we've got many of our people in our church walking in community along those lines, just to have teammates to do what I showed earlier, the up, in, and out, that there'd be a rhythm of life that we learn to live together. And if it's not community groups, that's great. If you have people that are walking alongside you that you would call teammates, then that's fantastic. But perhaps this would be the one for you where you go, you know what, I just feel like I'm walking in isolation, and I need to ask the Lord to help me. And maybe you need to take a step towards a specific person that when I say teammates, you go, oh, I I bet it's this person. I need to connect with them and talk more about that. The last thing as far as barriers to missional living would be, do you ultimately have desire? Is this something that you that you want to walk out? And perhaps a prayer if you're like, gosh, I don't know, and I'm not sure that I care. Maybe the place to start would be, God, can you begin to give me that desire? That'd be an awesome prayer to pray today and just to to pray continually through this week. Would you give me a desire? And we believe as we go through these habits and they become more a part of who we are, that compassion and love towards others will be something that becomes more and more a part of who we are when we're actually interfacing with people in a way that seeks to help them meet, know, and follow Jesus, that that desire grows. And just like muscles, that that's something that we have to regularly work out and get our reps in, so to speak, and the Lord will grow our desire. We believe that. So which one of these four, if you weren't working on all all four of them, but which one of these would you say, you know, that's the one I think that God would, would want me to focus on this week. I just would encourage you to consider that. And as we close and just thinking very practically in an everyday sense, there's a graphic here that just communicates a picture of what we've been talking about this whole time in this series. And the first tire here is the mission. We know that Jesus has sent us. We know that he's called us to make disciples. We know that in Acts 1, he said that you'll be my witnesses. And so the mission is the what that God has called us to do. And then the how which we've been talking about over these last six weeks, is to live an incarnational life. And that just means to put on flesh, that just as we saw in John 1.14, that Jesus put on flesh and he dwelt among us. It's drawing close to people using that pathway of bells. And so as we close and we see the bells diagram up here one more time, I just would encourage you, will you let this be a part of who you are? Is this something that you'll commit to praying that God would continue to establish in you and in an ongoing basis allow this to be a part of the fabric of your day and your week and your life? So let's pray together and ask God to help us in that regard. Father, 
we really do need the Spirit's help. And just as we know we can't change ourselves, that we need the Holy Spirit to sanctify us and make us more like you. Lord, we know that we need your help to take these steps. And so would you speak to our hearts today very personally on what is the one thing that you desire from us this week? And Lord, would we respond in obedience to that? It's not just about what we know and that we learned a lesson, but that it is about what we obey and that we live a life. So would you just sit quietly before the Lord for just a moment and just consider what it is that he's saying to you specifically, and then we'll continue in the Lord's Supper.